to the book of John, chapter 3. We're going to start there this morning, and um, we're going to talk a a little bit about uh, the love of the Lord in some unique uh, situations in Scripture. And um, there was a word a few minutes ago, just a word of knowledge, and I just want to throw it out there. I'm just going to give it to you, and you do with it what you need to do. Uh, There was uh, uh, someone felt by the Spirit that... uh, that there was someone that's in a, in a place of great decision. I don't know if you, if you have a decision to make before you, but would you just go cautiously and wait on the Lord and don't be hasty uh, because the Lord is going to lead you if you will wait on the Lord and not be in a hurry. I don't know what that is, and, and if that's for you, uh, would you just uh, throw that uh, back our way and, and let us know that, uh, that the Lord has spoken to you? But just take that to prayer and go to prayer and, and, and about decisions that you're making and, um, and ask the Lord and, and let, him, uh, let him guide you. We, we're, in, we're in such an age in our culture. We throw the popcorn in the microwave. It's ready in a couple of minutes. And, and we have that whole kind of concept about getting things done. And see, God lives outside of time. He's not in a hurry. You're in much greater hurry than God is. You're in a much greater hurry than God is. And uh, the Lord doesn't get in a hurry the way that we get in a hurry. And so quite often we'll be very hasty when the Lord is going, wait just a minute, get, let, me, let me talk to you just a minute about this. And, and, and uh, I've learned over the years that if there's any hesitation at all, just wait for a minute and ask the Lord's opinion. And uh, you'll save yourself some big car payments and all that. Yeah. All kinds of things. I have to speak that from experience. You'll save yourself some some, uh, unfortunate decisions. Um, Let me see. There's something else. Oh, uh, Don and Linda Lamaster are ministering this morning in uh, today in uh, Sacramento. Uh, Several weeks ago, I was sent to handle a business situation in the church because our bishop was sick. And I went in his place and, and uh, began the process uh, of a church receiving a new pastor. Well, sometimes when a church has gone through injury or difficulty and they're waiting on a new pastoral leadership to come to that house, uh, ministers are sent to minister for several weeks before a pastor is placed or selected for that house. And uh, Don and Linda are going there in, the, in Sacramento on the same place that I went, the same church that I was in, uh, to uh, just minister and love these people while they wait on the Lord for new pastoral leadership in their church. And so when people go out of Church of Living Water to minister in other places, they go with our anointing. They go under the anointing of this house. They go with the blessing of this house. So we just want to bless them. I think their, their service there is in the afternoon. That particular congregation meets uh, either at 11 or, or at 1 or something like that. So, Lord, we bless them in the name of the Lord. We bless Don and Linda. We bless them with anointing. We bless them with wisdom and grace for this house that they could bring healing to brokenness and, and strength to weakness and health to sickness and, and that they would go in the name of the Lord and that there would be great anointing over the teaching of the word and that there would be signs following, confirming your word in that house, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. There, now, I, that, that was what was, that was still, I was like, there's something else, there's something else. Yeah, the, a new, next week? We think there are new pastors placed next week? Okay. Yeah, I haven't followed 
uh, after, sometimes when you get sent on an assignment, you just go to your assignment and you get away, and, and I haven't followed up on what's going on there. I've just prayed for them. So, all right. Last week, we began talking about the value of consecration. I want to just remind you of what brought us to the place that we are in the process of, of the teaching that we're in. We started out several weeks ago talking about principles to maintain spiritual freedom. Remember, we talked in Matthew 12 about sweeping the house. We talked about when the house is swept, that, uh, that the, the enemy leaves and, and he begins to wander around and he thinks, wait a minute, wonder how things are back at my house. He thinks it's his house. So he goes back and he, get, he, he sees that the house has been swept and garnished and prepared and he goes and he gets his little buddies and he says, hey, let's go party at my house. And he brings them all back. And, the, and Jesus said in Matthew 12 that the estate of that individual is uh, worse than before if he lets those guys back in. So we were talking about not letting the enemy have place in your life. Once you run him out, keep him out. And that he wants to get back in, and he would like to come and make things worse than they were before, and he'd like to set up a mountain in your life and say, I put my foot down here, and I'm going to roll here, and there's nothing you can do about it. But there's something you can do about it. So we talked about maintaining, sweeping the house and maintaining spiritual freedom. Uh, we'll try not to go into all of this, but, but part of that, we talked about dealing with issues of iniquity and uh, attitudes towards sin and... and uh, uh, temptation and all of that around iniquity, and then we we um, talked about. Uh, let me see. I'm going through my notes here. How to remove the high places of the heart? You remember that? First Kings chapter 15, and uh, we talked about Second Timothy chapter 3. If you if you want to go back and get the the podcast, you just go to the website, listen to the podcast. They're there every week, and and you can go back through all of that. It's all there. And uh, the Lord will bless you as you do that. So that all brought us to part of maintaining spiritual freedom is, is coming to a place of consecration before the Lord, being wholly set apart unto his purposes. Now that doesn't... Well, I guess I do need to say this. That doesn't mean that you can't have a life. There's some folks who think that being set apart unto the purposes of God means that, that, that they can't have... A life in the earth. God set you in the earth in this generation, and I'm so glad he set me in this nation. Amen. I'm glad God allowed me to be born here. I'm glad that God's delighted when I have a nice house. Amen. God's delighted when, when you drive a nice car. Where's John? John and Janet, that car looks sweet. They got a new car. That's, but God, God's delighted. He don't care if you have... He, he doesn't want you not to have nice things. And there are people on the earth who think that in order, to, in order to walk with God, that they have to give up the stuff of life. No, he wants you to have abundance. Amen. He just doesn't want your abundance to have you. And my abundance has never had me. If the, if the things that I have, if God says he needs them... I don't need stuff. The only reason I have, I have to have a house with, with uh, six bedrooms is because I have so many kids. <laughs> Believe me, if I didn't have nine children, I wouldn't have a house with six bedrooms, and I would still have a garage. I don't have a I live in there. We have these rooms built in there. And as they get older, I move them out there, and I tell them I move them toward the street. 
because the garage was closer to the street. I know, the little ones are out there now. We're spreading out. Believe me, though, when they're all grown, I'm going to have a garage. I'm going to park my car in the garage for the first time in years. But anyway, where did I go? Oh, Lord, we're off here. Uh, anyway, the Lord does, does not, he, he is delighted when you flourish. Amen. It is the Father's heart to give good gifts to his children. But what I want to talk to you today about is in John, let's go to John 3, 16. You, y'all, if you walked with Jesus for any length of time, uh, you, would, uh, you would have this probably memorized. And I don't know when I've heard anyone actually bring this scripture to the pulpit at, at a time of teaching in, in a lot of years. But John three sixteen says this. We'll start in, in verse 16. For God so loved the world. I think sometimes we forget that. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We talked last week about the value of consecration and I want you to understand and I want people who follow Jesus to understand that they, they need their life to be set apart unto God. And it's important. I believe God is saying in this nation, can you hear me? Did that go off? Okay. I believe God is saying in this nation and to the, especially to the church in America, for some reason, the, the Lord talks to me about the church in America because I'm a pastor of the, in the church in America. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. So he talks to me about where the church is in this nation. And one of the things that that is lacking is the issue of consecration, understanding that we are set apart unto the purposes of God. Well, the greatest motivation for consecration is love. Isn't that much better than discipline? As a motivation, I mean, we should be disciplined. But, But love is the motivation. I'm going to show you in Scripture some of God's motivation, and I want it to affect your motivation toward him. So continue to read there. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now listen, you're going to have to... You're going to have to you're going to have to read the scripture and accept what it says. For it to have effect in your life. He did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. But, verse 18 says, He that believes on him is not condemned. It does not say that everyone in the world is not condemned. And we have a doctrine in, the, in this nation right now, in the church in America, we have a doctrine that because of Jesus, everybody's okay and nobody's condemned. Let me help you with something. Oh, wait, we're talking about love. We still are. 
But he that believeth not is condemned already. This is why the challenge is so great. And this is why the call of God is so vitally important. And this is why the church must rise up in our generation and do what the church has been assigned to do. Y'all are quiet. One guy put it this way, and and I was raised this way, so I I know this. Uh, Bishop Tony Miller was was giving his testimony and talking about... uh, some of uh, the experiences that he had as a child. And he says, when I was raised up in church, we, he says, we were told, you, you stay away from those people in the world. I, I was raised that way. I was raised in a Pentecostal church. And, and uh, you separate, come out, come out from amongst them and be you separate, says the Lord. Do not touch the unclean thing. So we didn't go anywhere and do anything. And we were afraid that if we did something and Jesus came, we'd get left and all that stuff well it's all scripture we do need to come out and be separate but then then two weeks every year we'd have revival and and the revival then for for about a month before revival we want you to bring all your unsafe friends to revival (laughs) what unsafe friends you mean I got to go out in one month and I've got to make friends with the unsaved and then get them to re- have the relationship with them deep enough to get them to trust me enough to come to my church and then cut them loose afterwards if they don't say yes to Jesus. And you know if I break just when I get them in here, this Billy's going to stand up and prophesy and scare him away. <laughs> Mr. Billy. That's how, that's how it was in, when I grew up, right? Come on, yeah. Sister Billy. Oh, Lord. You guys, we are talking about the love of the Lord. First John chapter 4 and verse 10 says this. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the provision for the redemption for sin. I'm going to tell you, I won't help you with something. You have no ability to love God until he loved you first. Hear folks talking about the day they found Jesus? Jesus wasn't lost. No man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draw him. So when you found Jesus, he was looking for you. Remember in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned? God wasn't lost. God comes walking through the garden. It's time for their appointment every day. He comes the same time every day, goes to the same place every day. He really wants that kind of relationship with you. He'd like you to set it up where you come every day and he comes every day, the same place, same time, meets with you. You can always tell when someone's getting in trouble because, because in their relationship with God because we come every week to the same time. And all of a sudden, they aren't there. And they begin to, it's exactly what Adam and Eve did in the beginning. All of a sudden, God comes in and says, Adam, where are you? I'm over here behind these fig leaves. 
Why are you covered up with fig leaves? I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? Never occurred to you before. And thus, it all began. Right? Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I want you to read something in Luke chapter 13 and verse 34, and I want you to hear the heart of God. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us hear God's heart in this passage of scripture. In the life of Jesus, he's sitting and he's looking out over the city of Jerusalem. Luke chapter 13 and verse 34. And Jesus actually was at this point and in this moment in a place of intercession. It was, it's a kind of a very private moment. I, I don't know which disciple was nearby and, and had his ear turned on just enough. He had his miracle ear up just enough to be able to hear what Jesus was saying. But he was, he was uh, sitting nearby and he pinned these words that, uh, that, and, and Luke shares them with us. Jesus is sitting and he's looking out over the city of Jerusalem and he's, and he's weeping within himself. Would you, would you see the brokenness in the heart of Jesus in these words? He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone them that are sent unto you. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you would not. How often I would have gathered you to myself. Behold, your house is is left to you desolate. Verily I say unto you, you will not see me until the time when I come, and when you shall say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So I would have gathered you together, and I would, have, I would have brought you to a place of safety. I would have covered you with my wings. I would have brought safety around you and care and concern for you. I would have gathered you in close to myself, but you, but you resisted and you would not. And so now you're not going to have a relationship with me, and you're not going to see me again until the time that you get it right and that you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When it finally gets through to you and you begin to see me for who I am, I'll come to you again. That's what he's saying in in very general context. I want you to hear the love of the Lord. I want you to hear the heart of God. So so he's he's talking to them and he's saying, Oh, Jerusalem, you who, you, you've destroyed the prophets. God has sent, God sent voices to you over and over and over again. And you didn't like what they were saying, so you took them out and you stoned them. They, they, he sent his word to you. He, he reached out for you and you rejected what he said. Over, and if you look at their history, it was over and over and over and over and over again. I was reading through, I used to read through the Old Testament and and it used to frustrate me because I would read it, and every time I read it, I, I would see the judgments that are in there. I would see the times that God would say, I'm going to send you into captivity, boy. I'm going, I, am going, I am going to shape you up. That's what he said. I'm going to send you into captivity. I'm going to send you, and, and the, your enemies are going to come against you. They're going to burn your city. They're going to take your children captive. They're going to destroy your, the, your dwelling places, that, you know, and all this stuff. And I would read that, and I'd go, ooh. I don't want to hear that. 
One day I begin to read in the book of Revelation. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Greatest motivation for you to be consecrated to the Lord Jesus is for you to fall in love with him afresh. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Sin is son. The book of Revelation. Keep Luke chapter 13 in your minds. The Bible says, when I begin to read Revelation differently, I begin to read it with the purpose for which it is written. How many understand that people read Revelation because they want to know what's going to go on and they want to hear all the prophetic things that are going to happen in the earth and, and they want to know when, when the end is near and, and how the hammer is going to come down and how much problems are going to arise in the earth. All of that's in there. It is. But what does the Bible say is the purpose for the book of Revelation? If you turn... It's in the first words of the first verse. Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Did you get that? Before any other purpose, there's some other purposes that are in that verse. But the reason the book was written was so that Jesus Christ could be revealed. And then it goes on and says that people who read it and understand it, they're blessed. The revelation of Jesus Christ. So one day I opened up this book and I begin to read it. And I begin to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to read this for, for that first purpose. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus in this book. And all of a sudden, I've read Revelation several times through now, and every time through, I can't get through it without weeping because I see Jesus. And I want you to see Jesus this morning in a couple of passages of Scripture in the book of Revelation. Because I want you to see how much God loves you. Now, would, would you help me with that? How many here are parents? You have children? Grandchildren? Anybody have grandchildren? How many, how many want to be parents? Anybody? A few. Oh. Someday you'll be parents. Those of you that will, who are in the room that will someday be parents will not understand what I'm about to say. Those of you that are parents and have been parents for a length of time, for a period of time, will understand this completely. And those of you that are going to have children someday, I can't wait for you to understand. <laughs> but if you've raised children, then you know this, this truth. There's times when you want to do good things for your children, <clears throat> but because they don't understand or will not uh, refuse to understand the responsibility that comes with that blessing, you have to withhold that blessing. Yeah, yeah. It's like giving a kid a car. How many would give their irresponsible child a car? Here's the keys. Go have fun. Don't understand the guidelines. Don't understand the rules of the road. Don't understand the... the, the the heaviness of the responsibility, don't understand the requirement for safety, don't understand uh, the dangers. How many, how many would just throw their kids' keys to the car and say, off you go? That's like, no, nobody would do that. But you see, God 
desires to give good gifts to his children, but then when, he's, when his children are in a place of rebellion or a place of ignorance or a place of distance from him where they do not understand the value of the gift that they are, be given, are, are being given and the responsibility that comes with that gift, then he withholds the gift because he is a wise father. I've never, you won't read anywhere in the scripture where the Bible tells you to go play in the freeway. No loving father would tell his child, go play in the street. And this is, this is the heart of the father. And I want you to see the heart of the father, and I want you to see it in some places that you haven't looked for it before. Revelation 9. It begins in about verse 14, and it is a place where judgment is being poured out in the earth. It is that. It is the releasing of the sixth angel, which has a trumpet. Read verse, start with verse 14. And I'm going to read these to you, and I am asking the Holy Spirit to do a work in your heart as you hear the words of this passage. Revelation 9, 14 says, Saying to the sixth angel, which had a trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates, and the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year to slay a third part of men. Now that doesn't sound uplifting. Doesn't sound like there's any love in there. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, and I heard the number of them. And, and thus I saw the horse in a vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire brimstone and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone by these three was a third part of men killed by fire and by smoke and by brimstone which issued out of their mouths for their power was in their mouth and in their tails and their tails were like serpents and had heads and with them they did hurt now i'm not going to explain any of that to you I have no intention of going into what all that means. Besides that, we'd be here all month to begin to talk about what those things mean. But we're getting a picture of a judgment that God brings to the earth at some point, probably in the not-so-distant future from where we stand today. But what I want you to hear is in the next verse, and I want you to hear the heart of a father who would have brought blessing into the earth. It was his desire to bring blessing, not cursing. And this is what the verse says. And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, idols which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Now I want you to hear the heart of God. I want you to hear the heart of God. Here's a God who says, I'm releasing these things into the earth. And after I've released them into the earth, I'm, 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 just, I'm just trying to get my kids' attention. Yeah. 
I'm just trying to get their attention. And after all of this, when I read that, all of a sudden I saw this father sitting over his brood. And I remembered the times, the few times in our life when I would say to my children, this is, this is wisdom. Knowing that if they didn't listen to me, that the outcome would be an outcome of devastation. The times that as a father I've sat with my children and I've said, if you will learn to walk with God, he will bless your life. He will help you through trouble. He will be someone that you can lean on. He will be faithful to you. And when I am dead and in the ground, you will still have a father. Because he will be with you. And I hear the heart of the Father, and all of a sudden my heart began to break as I read those words. Because God is sitting there with tears running down his face. This is not a joy to him. He's sitting there in the midst of all of this turmoil that is drawn out in this chapter, and he's got tears running down his face, and he's saying, and yet, they wouldn't come to me. And yet they wouldn't turn to me. In all of that trouble, they still would not hear me. I want to read another one. In Revelation chapter 16 and and verse 8. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scourge men with fire. And men were scourged with a great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which had the power over the plagues. Here's the God who has the power to make all this stop. Can you look in in this book and see Jesus for a moment? Here's the God who's coming to them with with trouble and visiting trouble upon them, but he's saying, oh, if, if you would just turn to me, I could turn this off. Do you see the heart of the generation that we are responsible to minister to that can stand in the face of God and say, how dare you bring trouble to me? That's the generation that we live in. This is our assignment. The Church of Living Water, this is our assignment. This is our generation that we are called to, men and women that will stand in the face of God, their creator, and say, why did you make me? You think you're going to tell me what to do? And God gives us the responsibility to carry his love into this generation. Because he would really like for this not to come upon them. So it says, And men were scourged with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which has the power over the plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And listen to this. Listen to these words. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. They were writhing in pain. They gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores. But they repented not of their deeds. You ever had a child... You're about to discipline them. But they will not. They, they, are, so, they are just stubborn enough. They're going to take it because they will not repent. 
you guys have to give Don a bad time. Tell him I talked to talked about him in service. He said when he was a young man, he, he would just basically go into his parents and say, come on, let's get that over with so I can go do what I want to do. It's amazing how God changed his life. Because as a young man, he was like, I'm going to go take my spanking so I can go do my stuff. But that's where the world is at in this, in this passage. The world is like, give me my spanking so I can get on to my fornication and my blasphemy and on to my rejection of God. Go, go ahead, give me my spanking. Give it to me. But hear the heart of God. And see, see him on the throne weeping. Is this too heavy for you guys? I've read Revelation through about three times and I have wept through it over and over again because he loves you so much. He loves his kids so much. I don't know uh, which one to read now. Um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, when, when Jesus is dealing with the churches, he comes to the church that is the church of our generation. You, you see, there are seven churches, and in those seven churches, they've really been historically, you, you could have historically, at any time you can historically apply the, the, the place that each one of those churches are at. But you can go back through and you can study generationally and you can find generations that, that each one of those churches could be applied to primarily. And the, this church at Laodicea is the church of our generation. It really is. The, of all those seven churches, it is the church that, that is the most like the church in our generation. I want to read from the Message Bible. We were just reading this the other day and it stood out to me. I already had it in my notes and in uh, um, King James, but I, I want to read it from the Message Bible. Um, and, and you just follow along, but it's, it's Revelation three fourteen through 22. Jesus says to that church, I know you inside and out. And I'm finding little to my liking. You're not cold, you're not hot. Far better that you would be either cold or hot, but you're stale and you're stagnant. Can you imagine the, the, the Holy Spirit having to say this? Thank God he doesn't have to say that to Church of Living Water. I'm so happy he's not saying that to us, that we're stale and that we're stagnant. Let's not be that. He says, you make me want to vomit. Sorry, that's so, so blunt. Because in the King James it says, So then because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He said, you brag. Now listen, you'll hear, you'll hear our generation in here if you listen to these words. You brag, I'm rich. I've got it made. I need nothing from anyone. You'll, you'll hear the arrogance of some of the preachers in our nation. Oh, did I say that? You'll hear some of the arrogance of church leaders in our generation. I'm rich, I've got it made. I don't need anything from anyone. Oblivious to the fact that you are pitiful, a blind beggar, threadbare, and homeless. Here's what I want you to do. Buy your gold from me. Gold that has been through the refiner's fire. Why do you want to go buy gold that's full of mixture when you can come to the refiner and buy gold that's been through the refiner's fire? Buy your gold from me. Then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me. Clothes that are designed in heaven. 
You've gone around half naked long enough. Buy medicine for your eyes so that you can see, so that you can really see. Listen to this. Listen to verse 19. The people I love, I call to account, I prod and correct and guide. What's the motivation? So that they will live at their best. Let me tell you something. Those of you that raise children, you know the times that you've had to get in, in, your, in your child's face and, and they're looking at you like uh, Bishop Halverson used to say, uh, 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 yeah, a dog at a new dish, a calf looking at a new gate. They're looking at you like, like they don't have a clue what you say. And what you are wanting for them is so that they will live at their best. And God is looking at the church in our nation and he's saying, it's not too late for you to live at your best. Come and be consecrated to me. It's not too late for you to live at your best. There's some folks that are 65, 70, 75, and 80 and, and, and they wonder if the time hasn't passed. But, but the time, has, it's not too late for you to live at your best. It's not too late for you to live at your best. We see the heart of the Father. So he says, the people I love, I call to account, prod and correct and guide, so that they will live at their best. So up on your feet then, about face, run after God. I love that. Because it's happened to me. I identify with that statement. Run after God. And then he said those precious words, look at me, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. And I like the way that the message puts this. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table just as I have conquered. See, it says in verse 21 in the King James, To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also have overcome and sat down with my father. So, the heart of Jesus is an invitation to the table. They're all stuck, The heart of Jesus is an invitation to the table. To sit at the head table. This is the love that the Father was pouring out on us in worship this morning. This is the love that is being expressed in this house in this moment. It is the heart of the Father. Come to the table. How many of uh, let me just ask a really practical question. How many of have you go into the presence of the Lord, or you try to go into the presence of the Lord, and you find it's hard? You have a difficult time. Can I help you with something? That's a lie from the enemy. Would you just resist that next time? You try to go into the presence of the Lord. I, I learned this. Just, just, I mean, I just, just learned this. Because I was only a couple of weeks ago or a few days ago was I telling Laura, that I said, I love to go and pray at the church because sometimes when I pray at home, there's this, there's this resistance that I feel. I come in here where we've cultivated the environment with prayer in a different way, and I go right in. And I don't know why that is. 
But the scripture says he's inviting us to the table. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I'll come in. And I'll eat with him. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table, just as I have conquered and took a place of honor beside my father. This is, listen, Church of Living Water, this is the word of the Lord to you today, right here. This, this word. This is my gift to the conquerors. You see, the children of promise, the Bible says, are not appointed to wrath. The wrath, all that stuff we read about, that's for folks who want to be resistant to God. That isn't for you. You'll never know that day. You, you will never know that day. You won't be there when it happens. You won't see it happen. You won't be there. Just like he kept the children of, of Israel in Egypt. When the plagues came to Egypt, the children of Israel were over there in Goshen, and everything was fine in Goshen. You won't see that. At least from this vantage point, you won't see that. Because your promise is the table. This is my gift to the conquerors. So I have to ask you what, the, what, what he asks in the word. Are your ears open? King James says, if any man has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So I ask you today, are your ears open? Listen to the words of the Spirit blowing through the churches. This is the word of the Spirit that is blowing through the church in our generation. So I'm just going to ask you to do something this morning. I'm going to ask us to do it corporately. I'm not asking for an altar call or, or a response, at least up here. I'm asking for a response right where you are. I want you to take this response home with you. Stand together.